welcome one and all to another episode of Left Turn Canada. Andy Burkowski, Christo Avalise here. We got a lot to talk about today. Firstly is the municipal elections that were held all across Ontario yesterday and the outcomes of those. We are seeing Christo maybe not the worst. In some cases, it was the worst I, I was reading, but definitely some of the worst voter turnout for municipal elections that we've seen in Toronto, 29% in Brampton, my hometown, 25%, you know, 35 in Hamilton. And in those cases, you got a lot of perhaps the mo- not the most inspiring candidates. You had, you know, John Tory. Uh, there is, I guess, a bit of a bright spot in Hamilton that Andrew Horvath yeah. uh, was able to Great, secure uh, yeah. that, which I is pretty Happy cool. to see that it was a tight, tight one, but she mm-hmm. won. That's great to see Andrea win. Yeah. So how? Yeah. What about your hometown? How's it? How's it go? Or your town that you live in? We'll put it that way. How did that go? Yeah. No. King, Kingston's results. I don't know. I think they were okay. I think they were okay. I mean, there were a few instances where, like in my district, maybe there was a bit of a vote split. You know, Kingston, as it were, our voter turnout was really low, and I think that was for a couple reasons. One, the mayoral race was was not competitive. Yeah. Uh, it just was not a competitive race. Um, no one expected it to be. Uh, the mayor had served two terms um, and he was running for a third. Uh, kind of a conservative guy, but nothing crazy. Um, you know, ended up winning like 75% of the vote or something ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. In like a four-person race. And I think that combined with the fact that there was no major referendum question lowered the turnout. Because yeah. in 2014, Kingston had a referendum on whether or not to, to allow a casino. And most people were against it. So that drove a lot of turnout you know, to, to, to vote against the casino. Mm-hmm. And then in 2018, the city had a referendum on, on, on bringing in ranked ballots for municipal elections, right? Which I think, you know, I support for nonpartisan uh, election, single seat elections. Yeah. I, I prefer proportional for provincial and federal because we have parties and it's a multi, but you know, it would have been a market improvement and uh, there was nothing like that this time. So we had really low turnout. You know, there were some vote splits, uh, a, the mayor easily won a couple of my uh, friends, uh, Brandon Tozo and Greg Ridge. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they, they, they may listen. I, I, I'm not sure, at least sometimes, but they, they both won council seats here in Kingston. There we uh, go. On their here. first attempt, so, so they both won and both won quite, quite comfortably, which is good to see. Uh, in Kingston, there was a decent bit of turnover. I know like in municipal politics, incumbents are particularly strong sometimes, mm-hmm. but there was a good mix. There were a couple incumbents that were defeated, I believe, and like a few that, that chose not to run again. And so it's actually, I think about half the council is new, mm-hmm. which is which is interesting, right? I mean, you know, the, one of the issues in municipal politics in Ontario, I think with the exception of Toronto, I don't know about other cities, so correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no um, there's no tax rebate, mm. so it makes it difficult for a lot of a lot of people to to donate and donate very much because you know federally, if you if you donate a hundred bucks, you know you can rationalize that by saying that you know next tax season I'm going to get. I'm going to get 75 of that back on my taxes, uh-huh. right? Uh, and federal and provincially, at least in Ontario, it's basically the same. And every province has some kind of system like that. But uh, you know, here in Kingston, if you donate to a, a political candidate, you don't get that money back. Hmm. So, you know. Interesting. It's funny you, know, you, you talk about what happened in Kingston. Very similar turnout here in Brampton, or Brampton, in uh, Yeah, in like Guelph. 30% here, yeah. Yeah in, yeah, in Guelph it was interesting because it was very similar. You know, our, our mayor was basically predetermined. It was a bit of a landslide. But in a interesting turn of events, Danny Drew came second with, you know, about 7,000 votes to 20,000. So not, not unheard of. And they are a non-binary, full-throated social here in Guelph so that was pretty cool to see and it was kind of a a similar thing that you're talking about in Kingston where like on the council actually a lot of turnover people are are changing and and they're very progressive so I think that is really interesting but I'm just wondering you know what does it what does it say that so many people and this is a bit of a hack bit. You probably already seen other people talk about this, but so many individuals that tried to be premier are now mayors yeah. of major cities. So we have Andrew Horvath, yeah. who we talked about. Boom, yep. John Tory, an old classic. Del Duca yep. in Vaughn. Yep, Del Duca and Vaughn. And of course, Patrick Brown. Patrick so Brown. What do you make of all this? Is this just like, is this the booby prize, as I think as Nora Loretto said? Like, is this just what you have to settle with if you don't get that? Or what do you think? I kind of think it is, although it's interesting, ironic as it is. I mean, Doug Ford wanted to be mayor. Yeah, he's the other way around. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, he, and then he just had to settle for being premier, right? Like mm-hmm. there was a, I think there was a meme once where it had him and Tory sitting next to each other, and one was like, "I wish I could be mayor," and one was like, "I wish I could be premier," right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I definitely think that's part of it. At least, at least with some of the people, it makes sense sometimes because it's like you have local cachet. It's where your riding was provincially and or federally. You know, you you have a volunteer base. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about the finances. I doubt you can use because it's not there's you probably can't use money, but you have like a, a probably an established donor base and all of that makes it a lot easier to run. And it is sort of a consolation prize. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, especially if you're going to be in opposition, you might have more power, you know, as a mayor than you would as, you know, being, say, the leader of a third party in opposition. Yeah, Del Duca, you know, I think, has more power. Like Del Duca, as the, yeah. yeah, Del Duca likely has more power. Like, because let's say everything else is the same, but he wins a seat. The liberals say get one more seat. Mm-hmm. But it's still a Ford majority. They're still clearly the third party. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're not official opposition even, so you can't even claim to be the you know the official opposition. Um, they don't even have party status, I don't think. Yeah. And so it's like you, you, you have that and yeah, you're liberal leader of Ontario or you could be the mayor of a of a rather large community. Vaughn, is, I don't know how many people live in Vaughn. How many people live in Vaughn? Let's take a look real quick. It's a big city. I, I, I yeah. love Vaughn, man. Like I, yeah, Vaughn, I spent Vaughn many... has, has, according to just Google here, 323,000 yeah. people, which is like, you know, Halifax-ish in mm-hmm. size, right? Halifax, you know, has... Has uh, how many people live in Halifax? Just as you know, as as one of you know the the larger regional cities, the Halifax population is like four thirty nine, wow. right? So it's like you know, so it's a you know, it's a large like people. I think sometimes people underestimate how big all these like Toronto adjacent cities are. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all massive, right? Like Kingston, we're in like the one we're in like we're we're not even at two, right? You know what I mean? Like we're nowhere near as big as Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so um. You know, you have a lot of power, especially, and this is something that I think is, you know, going to be interesting, that you're going to see the the rise of the strong mayor system, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something Ford is doing, not necessarily in every community yet, but I believe he's starting it in like Toronto and Ottawa, yeah. where he's basically making the mayor significantly more powerful than council, right? Yeah, and he's getting Before, called on for it. Like people yeah, are well, not Well, yeah, happy exactly. About it. <laughs> Including, yeah. Well, exactly, because the way it works now is the mayors in in most Canadian provinces and most Canadian municipalities are basically first among equals. Like they have a, they have a ceremonial yeah. power. They run the meetings. They probably have a certain control over the budget. They're they're rep- they're the representative of the city. There's probably a lot of perks to all of that, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when like the votes come down, they're just they're just one vote, right? Like they're one vote. Yeah. Um. Whereas Ford almost wants to create almost like a presidential type system where like the, the that's the executive and the legislature legislature is the is the council and the mayor has, you know, very strong powers. And I think that's uh, they basically said it's to be more pro-development. Yeah. Right. It's to basically give the what they basically said that the the, 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 the mayor can veto uh, veto things if it serves the priorities of the province. And that is one thing that mayors yeah. in this province do very well is harbor to the needs of developers like that seems well, to be almost their primary function. Well, That's the party ways. system in Ontario. We don't have a party system, yeah. but like the effect, the party system is like the broad progressive ish versus like the developer class and you saw that in ottawa where like all the NDPers aligned behind Catherine mckinney Mm -hmm. right and and rightfully so and you know and a lot of liberals did too right like you saw Catherine mckinney you saw uh or uh uh, Catherine yeah Catherine mckenna you saw uh mark carney the former head of the bank of Mm -hmm. canada line behind her you saw other other big name liberals and then on the on the other hand, you saw some other liberals line up behind behind Sutcliffe, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like similar in Kingston, where like a portion of the liberal base will align with more progressive councillors, and a portion will align with more conservative ones. And it basically did the, the, the developer non developer split is like the principal political divide here. Man, 
And I know that's like, uh, just John Tory following a very similar suit in Toronto. Like that, that's very much yeah. the mandate there. It's just already established. So that it is a little disillusioning when the term, you know, we have individuals when you become mayor and even more so if Doug Ford gets his way that can really tangibly change your life for the better or worse as a citizen of that city. There are changes that will happen that, that they could make the very next day that could really fuck up your life or make it a lot yeah. better. And the fact that we did see, you know, these 29%, 25% in Brampton, where it was 25%, and they reelected yeah. the guy that was accused of multiple women of taking his drunk uh, younger colleagues into his uh, home and asking them to give him a blowjob one again. So, like, yeah. I just, there, there's some realities here. It just, something's, I feel like something's amiss. I don't know. <laughs> you get what I'm, I'm leering at? Yeah, yeah, there's apathy. And, I mean, Ford almost created some of that apathy with what he did yeah. when he became premier, right? He reinforced the apathy. Because you're right, in many ways, municipal politics is the most important in, in a lot of ways. In terms of, like, the day-to-day -day effect on your life, either positive or negative, with housing, police, mm -hmm. fire, uh, social services, infrastructure, a lot of that stuff is actually kind of municipal, mm -hmm. right? Um, a lot of it is. And so, you know, you, you, you obviously want to have good, effective local governance and, you know, uh, we have to wait too too low turnout, even, even in relation to already often low turnout federally and provincially, right? But Ford has also shown that he can just tell cities to fuck off. Yeah, that's a good and, point. And largely it's constitutional. So you've mm -hmm. sort of reinforced this idea that on the one hand is objectively true. You're objectively correct that municipal politics in some ways are the most important. But the way our system is designed is that municipal politics are the most precarious in terms of your ability to actually do something. You want to mm -hmm. pass certain things while well, the province can overrule you. You want it, your your city voted overwhelmingly like in Kingston to have a ranked ballot in your in your municipal elections going forward which we which i think like 60 some percent of the city wanted i think the council in the run-up to the election i think the council endorsed it unanimously or, or mm -hmm. overwhelmingly like so they all kind of went into the election saying this is something like we're all united on uh and ford was like no fuck that like everyone sticks with first past the post right Jeez, and so man. what that message is is like hey like yeah you can you can organize locally you can affect change. You can make a difference in your community. But ultimately, the premier makes the calls the shots, right? And it's yeah. all basically legal. Like, there are, of course, probably limits. You know, he can't, like, you know, there's probably limits to what they can do. But essentially, cities are creatures of the province, which is something mm -hmm. we've learned a lot since 2018. And that kind of means that they just continue serving the train of capital that is like the the path of least resistance, you know, like it's just that is the one thing they can do is rubber stamp, you know, more high rises in every square inch of like a, every little small town. So that is something yeah. that can happen. But like you said, if you have someone that can uh, really obfuscate those powers and just with a sweep of a pen say like, nah. That's not what we're doing here, <laughs> despite yeah. all of this effort. Then, yeah, absolutely. People are are well, not going to vote. And the thing I the don't like now, Christo, just quickly before I yeah. let you come in there, is that we've seen a lot of, I don't know if you've seen it, the the idea of like citizen shaming that they didn't get out and like they should have done better. And I don't know. That just, considering what we yeah. just said, like that that's not where the responsibility lies, I mean, right? yeah, look, I mean, look, on an individual basis, yeah, you should probably go vote, you know, and like go vote for the least worst option or if there's a good option, God willing, vote for that, you know, vote for that person. But like, yeah, like when we're talking about broad societal issues, like there is something to be said for like the system being designed this way Mm -hmm. And sadly, in some ways, working as intended. Right. Yeah, and no. <laughs> that's that's that that's the problem. And I mean, like a lot of this is just even like, again, more tra changes the strong like the, the strong mayor system and that's coming to big cities, but may even come to medium sized cities like Kingston and Guelph and all that soon. I'm, 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 I'm assuming it probably will it makes it even more difficult because, again, it's it's, you know, electing progressive counselors is possible. It's more difficult to elect progressive mayors. I mean, it yeah. can be done. You saw that with Andrea. But, like, it's hard because, you know, you need to run a citywide campaign, and that takes a lot of money. Um, it's, it's you know, in, in a city like Hamilton or even Kingston, our city election is the single biggest election we have. Mm -hmm. Right? 
It's yeah. bigger than the parliamentary elections because in Kingston, the way it works actually is a small portion of our city, uh, you know, uh, large physically, but small portion of the population in the north end of the city gets carved out into the rural riding, you mm -hmm. know, Lanark, Frontenac, Kingston for federal and provincial politics. But that's part of Kingston municipality. So the mayor actually represents more people in Kingston than the MP and the MPP do. So it's the biggest election you can run here, like in terms of the amount of space yeah. you have to cover and the amount of votes you have to fight for. And that obviously, Andrea, like that, they got like four or five seats federally, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to win all of those. So it's expensive to run a mayoral campaign and you don't get the tax rebates. And what they did in Toronto, which is what Ford did, was by, by reducing the amount of seats you know, you make it even more difficult for, for new people, for marginalized people, for low income people, for people that aren't connected to sources of money and power and privilege and, and all of that to run because the bigger the district, the more resources you're going to need yeah. to, to adequately challenge it. Right. If you cut the, if the, you have half the districts for the same amount of people to win that district, you're going to have to do double, like, you know, not double the work, but you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to do a significant more, a bit more work and that's going to cost you money. Right. And so yeah, all of this is designed yeah. <laughs> to be to be friendly to the sorts of people that on average would win. Even in Vancouver, they do an at-large system where the, the council is elected at large, right? And so there's not really districts per se. And that's there's benefits to that because it gives you more choice. Uh, it gives you the ability to have a say on the entire council in that sense. You get multiple votes. But it mm. also means that everyone, in a sense, has to run a citywide campaign. And so it makes it difficult for, say, people that represent particular communities from yep. getting a voice, right, uh, in, in Vancouver politics. And again, that likely helps developers because people who run citywide campaigns are generally going to be moneyed and have more, you know, proclivities towards developers. Yeah, how how are you supposed to do this if you are even remotely against capital? If you're not having developer backing, then you have to appeal to small yeah. business tyrants. Unless there is well, a system yeah, in you, place that allows people to like actually, you know, feel like they well, can be a part of this. Well, you could just work really hard too. Like, I mean, look, that, and that's you see all like a lot of success stories on council, yeah. but it's it's like yeah, it's really it's really difficult. It's going to be really challenging to like build a governing coalition to challenge the developer class when again in municipal politics in some ways maybe even more difficult maybe not than a provincial wide race but then more difficult than some individual ridings because like in like hamilton for instance you get some progressive ridings and you could target those and and all of that but like to win the mayor's race you saw that andrea who would never even come close to losing her own district mm -hmm, you know got close. barely barely won Barely yeah. won. That was a city that in 2018, at least, provincially, the NDP basically swept the entire thing. And mm -hmm. and in and, and, and 2020, I think the NDP did pretty... In uh, 2022, the NDP did pretty well in Hamilton, too, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, like, in the city, like, it, it was a, it was a nail-biter, and she almost lost. Man. So I guess the, the final question when looking at this, without just taking the the easy route of, you know, we need to get people more involved and, you know, people have a responsibility. Is there anything you think could happen that would put those numbers up for the better? You know, is there anything we could do? Is it, is it as simple as, you know, y'all, people need a day off? Like it is just that simple or, or do we need to have these systemic changes, like you said, wherein people actually think like, you know, there could be more than one family or one dude that runs a city for 150 years. And then maybe they'll throw you like, you know, a, a bit of a bone if you get someone on the council that looks like you and thinks the way that you do, you know, like, is, the, is there a cheat or do we just got to throw out the entire system to put to get those 60 percent numbers that people seem to want so bad? I'm not sure. Right. I, I do think there are obviously things you could do better, better education, uh, more accessible voting. They, there's been efforts done like in Kingston. We have online voting. I don't know about other oh, communities, cool. but we do. We do have online voting. I voted online. It was for me. If you're pre-registered, it was super easy. I think it's a mm. little bit more onerous if you have to register for the first time. But like it was super easy for me to vote, which was great. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I think like. I'm not sure what the answer is because mm. I think... You, Would you do a holiday? I do think... I, I am in support of voter holidays. Yeah. I am. I am in support of voter holidays. Like, if if, if it was up to me, every every general election, um, you would have a, like, you know, federal, provincial, municipal. So, like, you know, max three a year, but really it's going to be more like 
one a year, maybe not even every year, right? It makes sense, right? Like, you know, it really just, does. Yeah, a voter <laughs> holiday, make it make it a voter holiday, Give make Monday, say, the first Monday, uh, like, the, the, the Monday at the end of the writ period, so when the writ periods drop, whatever that Monday is, that's the voting day, that's mm-hmm. a holiday, right? You know, mm-hmm. or, and, and that's a statutory holiday. Um, I know it, it's difficult because not every, like, you know, not all businesses are going to close. You're still going to have some of those issues. But when you combine that maybe with, um, you know, the, the existing provisions that you get like time off for work, maybe you have like a, a, uh, a voting holiday and, you know, a, you know, not just advanced polls, but a full election offering for three days, let's say, let's say it's a full mm-hmm. weekend, like it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday with the Monday being a holiday or the Friday being a holiday type thing. And then on Saturday and Sunday, there's also just, you know, full voting uh, in addition. Yeah. That, that could that could be useful. In Europe, a lot of places, they do elections on like Sundays. I don't know how Canadians would take that. Maybe they would feel like you're, you're taking their day off. I don't know. But in some countries, they do elections on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that correlates to higher turnout. Like I, I've never, I haven't read studies, but you, you would think that maybe people, more people would be off that day and would have more time to vote. But I don't know. It does yeah, make I would me support think that if we had more time, like you, people would like that number just by the nature of voting and it, just the realities of people, people's lives that would go up. But like you said earlier, you know, when you have a system like this in place where these individuals really can fuck up your life or make it better, yet this system is so stacked to make it so difficult for people from marginalized communities or that don't directly support capital in a big way can even get a seat at the table then, you know, you can't really having a holiday might not even address that if it is just the same flurry of dudes. And I, I, there's a lot of great memes going on of mediocre men in, you know, beige suits that just keep winning and winning and winning and kind of just believe the same things, too. Like we're not getting real strong ideologues in these positions, at least not that I've heard of in uh, Ontario. I don't know if you've heard of something different of a local mayor coming in and like really having an ideological agenda. In many cases, you know, in municipal politics doesn't really provide an opportunity for that in, in many ways. But yeah, I just I don't know how we can get the changes that I think we need because this will make people's lives better right away without, you know, a change in provincial government. And that's not going to happen unless it's changing federal. And then the way voting changes, like it is a bit of a house of cards, believe it or not. Yeah. All righty. Anything else on this? No, it's a mixed bag. I mean, look, there were some good results, but I think on the whole, a lot was disappointing. And again, turnout's low and it's not us judging people. I mean, you know, if you can get out to vote, you should vote, of course. But, um, yeah, the system, I think, is very much designed uh, to not have people be active participants because active participants are engaged in their community. And that's generally, again, pretty bad for developers, right? <laughs> Especially yeah. they don't want certain people, you know, namely like young people and others to, to be engaged. Yeah, we were fortunate here in Guelph where they were going to put in just uh, close to the downtown. And this is really inside baseball, only really managed for people in Guelph, but they were going to put in some, you know, 15 story, I think, or at least 11 story condominiums. And that just, you know, that doesn't happen in this, this landscape here. And it, it was disallowed, but who knows now, because again, they can appeal and appeal and appeal. And it's yeah. kind of, you know, the way of things we've, we've seen it. And if you lived in a major city, you're, you're kind of used to it. And maybe in these medium cities now, it's uh, it's becoming more of a reality. Uh, I wanted to pose a question. It's actually from our Discord, and we've been wanting to talk about this for a while now. We had a, some in-between shows, so it's a, it's a little, you know, it's a couple weeks ago now, about a week or so ago, but it is an important issue that we're going to discuss here. If you want to ask a question, of course, you can do that. Join our Patreon, Left Turn Canada, patreon.com. And uh, as little as a buck a month, we, we don't ask for much. We just want to get everyone involved and we love y'all in the discord. This is from Manny and he asks, and it's a bit of a long one. So bear with me. The BC NDP split is ugly. How far do you think it will spread? How will it affect the federal side of the party? How much of what just happened in BC is part of the reason there is no one running against styles in Ontario do you think we'll see something similar if someone does run? And of course, he is referring to yeah. the 
very heinous and embarrassing and absolutely upsetting treatment of a BCNDP candidate and Apologies if I get the name incorrectly. And Jolly Apadura, who was disqualified from the leadership race for just the most bullshit reasons. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it makes you embarrassed. I know. I know. Yeah. Krista, how do you feel? Because you're you often yeah. hold the torch and be like, I, there's so many great things about the NDP. Yeah, yeah. I was pissed about this. It fucking pissed me off. Yeah, yeah. of course. And I mean, federal MP spoke out against it. Matthew Green, mm. Leah Gazan, Nikki Ashton. I think Bonita Zarillo also spoke about... Basically, if, if, if you've been on this podcast, you spoke about it. Those are four of the MPs we've had on the show. Uh, and I believe there was some others that spoke out against it, I think. But um, but the, the, the reality is that, you know, the, the, the it, it's totally unfair. They got caught off guard. I don't even know. Like, maybe she would have won. Maybe she wouldn't. I'm not sure. But they got caught off guard. And now they're trying to make it about, oh, they broke some rule or this or that. And, you know, there probably were errors made, but to to have a full disqualification seems woefully out of, out of, uh, you know, step with, with, you know, uh, what I'm looking for. It's, 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 it's not proportionate to any of the claims being made against her. And then you have counterclaims, of course, where you saw, we've talked about it, certain unions putting forward letters, basically asking their members to do what... Uh, Anjali's team was accused of doing and the NBC NDP is trying to say it's different because it's it was not as coordinated blah 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 but in effect they were trying to get like you know trying to get people to join the party just to yeah. vote for Ebby uh, and, 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 and all of this and uh, you know uh, that was the accusation levied against uh, Anjali's campaign uh, you know saying that she was just getting a bunch of uh, greens to jump ship temporarily uh, and, and and pick her when the evidence shows that wasn't really the case and there weren't that many Green Party members to to uh, that, that ended up doing it. And the Green Party doesn't have that many members, period, in B.C. It's, you know, it's a relatively small party. Uh, and so, um, yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah it, it's 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 disgraceful what happened. I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of what what the effects are going to be in B.C., I'm not exactly sure yet One, it just happened Two, we are some time away from the next election. So, like, who knows, like, how long people are going to stay pissed about this, right? Like, I, I'm not sure, right? Um, but I think that's a better question to be asked, one, with some time, and two, with a, uh, with this, maybe from somebody on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm not, I'm not as versed on that. But I definitely see it ca- causing consequences. Some people have said it's time to leave the party. Some people have said, like, we have to you basically get revenge within the party. Uh, there's real debates about that. I've seen people like Nora Loretto say, like, this is, you know, a real sign that the NDP, at least in BC, but I think maybe she's speaking more broadly, is like, you know, is, is not necessarily the venue we need. And the party has made that clear. And in many ways, a lot of people, I don't think unreasonably, are like, look, they don't even want me. They don't even want us, right? Like, like, like Bowen Ma, um, who uh, is one of the, the better BC MLAs, but was still, I think, silent on this issue until it was done went on Twitter and she basically said something along the lines of, you know, this, is, this isn't how we wanted it to happen. Uh, we hope that everybody who engaged in this process that supported Anjali you know, stayed. They're welcome in the party. We want their voices going forward. <laughs> but it's like, look, I get like that's just like that's politician speak. Yeah. But like they're not welcome. They're not. Like that's the fucking problem, right? Like they weren't. They were. They were treated like they were interlopers and invaders and and like spies. And then like For John what, Horgan too? basically like Crystal, called. Like, reiterate that a little bit. Like, yeah. why do you think even at the beginning of this, if we rewind, yeah, why was there such antipathy and the willingness? I think at least to use bureaucratic rules, which we all know yeah. people yeah. who are NDP and believe in progressive like moralism and the importance of that just love it when you use rules to not allow people a place well, to yeah. speak. Well, yeah, I that, mean, parties like, do that great, all the time. But yeah, me, but man. like, yeah, but like. Yeah, I I definitely think that, like, there was just definitely a sense that, like, this is our club and these people aren't welcome in our club. Um, And we're going to try and stop them. And that was like, and then there was, you know, John Horgan basically implied that some of these people were like thugs or acting like thugs. And like in one of his press conferences, as he's kind of, you know, he's outgoing, right? And he basically supported Ebby and all this. But like, 
I don't know. I, I definitely think it's a big it's a big stain. Like how this affects the federal party, again, I'm not I'm not sure. It'll probably not be good for the NDP, at least in British Columbia, as a lot of those people are likely, you know, uh, activists both federally and provincially. And if they're disillusioned federal provincially, uh, you can't you have to imagine a non non-trivial amount of them are going to harbor the same feelings towards the federal party. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially given that like, you know, not everybody not the majority of caucus spoke out against the issues, right? So, I don't know. It's probably not good. In terms of Ontario, I don't know. I don't think Ontario... Well, a few factors would be would make a difference here. One, and she wasn't like... And this was... They're, they're trying to paint her as an outsider, which I think is at least, if only unintentionally, tinged with racism. Oh, um, of course. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but, but like cause she, she's an NDPer. Uh, she ran for the federal party in the last election, almost won uh, a seat kind of in, in, in southern, you know, the southern urban British Columbia, almost won, came very, very close. One of the closest ridings in the country, uh, you know, to, to winning that seat likely would have won if, you know, just just a few little things went different. Right. hundred mm-hmm. percent. She would have won that riding. But um, she is like an NDP peer. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I don't know. I, I feel in Ontario, look, I'm not going to make any promises, but I sort of think that this might not happen because if there's like a left wing challenger, it might more likely come from within caucus. Because mm, remember, yeah. like, and like, look, there's not a debate about but who's who and what's what. And, but like Nikki Ashton ran twice for leader. Right. She ran mm-hmm. uh, or, or did she even run three? Yeah, no, she ran twice for leader. She run you know, when Mulcair won and then she ran again when Singh won. And each of those times she was running kind of on a challenge to the, the party status quo. Uh, she was engaging members that weren't necessarily NDPers in all cases. Some of them were from outside the party. And she was doing all of these sorts of things uh, that might be considered analogous at least at least on on the surface and i don't think there was ever a serious effort to disqualify her now maybe maybe it was cuz it was perceived she couldn't win and blah 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 but i don't know i'm skeptical that's going to happen here in ontario it looks like at least right now the path is clearing a little bit for styles yeah like we haven't seen anybody else to announce and Catherine fife i think just today or was it today or yesterday uh, or earlier this week, depending on when you listen to that, just a couple days ago, uh, Catherine Fife put out a message, you know, thanking everybody for encouraging her. And she said that she was thinking about it, but she's not going to run. So, I, I mean, and I, I think that maybe like the party is sort of lining up behind her. And if there's like an outsider challenger, that might be an issue. But I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And it might be different because what they just saw what happened in B.C. So maybe they're reluctant you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I'm skeptical it's going to happen here in Ontario because I do think that you're more likely to see a federal style race where if like there's multiple credible candidates, they're all going to kind of be in caucus. And so whether mm-hmm. like like because, for example, if a Joel Harden was going to run, they wouldn't have tried to disqualify him. Yeah, like definitely some some parts of the the, the party, the party bigwigs might have not wanted Joel Harden for a variety of reasons, but they 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 wouldn't have disqualified him. They would have just had to try to beat him. Then right? why, why in BC did they believe when they succeeded? But why do you think this effort was? Is it just solely because you know it, they did believe in your estimation that you know this is our club? And I think that's this part of the, it. Like I think it's I, like I just she's an open environmentalist, and the party's really worried about that. I think yeah. part of it is like she wasn't in caucus. That probably made it harder for her. I almost wonder in an alternative universe where she wins the ML the MP election, but she still wants to run for leader. And she's like, yeah. you know, I'm going to run for leader and I'm going to, you know, like, like a lot of people wanted Matthew Green to run for Ontario NDP leader. You know, mm-hmm. the expectation that he would resign his seat federally, obviously, if he won and step down. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people wanted that. Obviously, it didn't happen, but that was something that wanted. Um, you know, she could have done that. I wonder if then they would have w- wouldn't have been able to do it. But because she's like not she doesn't hold any office. I wonder if that was the way I think they really wanted it to be a coronation. I think in Ontario, I don't know if it's being designed as a styles mm-hmm. correlate coronation. Like, I don't know if that's the explicit intent. Whereas with, with uh, BC, it looks like it really was right. And in BC, mm-hmm. there's so much more like, like the winner becomes premier. 
Like this yeah. is like like the <laughs> it's, Brit- like, it's like in Britain, right? Like everyone, you win, yeah. you get to be prime minister, right? Like you know yeah. what I mean? Like you get elected by your party, you effectively become premier at least for the next couple years. Like BC general election, I don't know when their next election is, but the BC election I believe is what is it twenty twenty four is probably when it's going to be a fall twenty twenty four. So you basically get a half a full half term. As premier, right? So it's like a big win. You get to be premier of a majority government, very clear, very strong majority, and you get two years to be premier. Um, and so there's so much more at stake. So the fact that seemingly no one in the caucus, there's like 57 people in that caucus. So if you take out Horgan, that means there's 56 people besides Horgan that could could run, and no one wanted to. Yeah, it was very clear they were trying to do a, a coronation. And it just didn't work, right? And I think yeah. they were pissed that somebody like dared to dare to stand against them. And I don't know if that's going to happen in Ontario. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Different circumstances. Different circumstances. Yeah. This isn't I, to necessarily do... say like, oh, Ontario NDP is so much better than BC <laughs> or anything. I'm not. I'm not trying to make this a contest. I'm just saying like, I just I don't see the same the, the same system lining up. If they had that at stake, you know, if if they were electing a premier in Ontario, who knows? That might be you know, the same. Thing yeah, might that happen. might be different, right? Yeah. That might be different yeah. in that sense. Where there's I, more. I do want to talk about just yeah. like the uh, the. I think there's at least a subset of our audience right now that has heard us on this program have to explain away the actions of the NDP in Canada, and this one might be you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back because it is so clearly, as you alluded to before, designed to tell certain types of people directly that you are so unwelcome that we won't even give you a chance. You will be disqualified thanks to a processing rule from even allowing, being allowed to participate in this democratic process, as limited as it is, to represent the values of so many other people that call themselves NDP and lead under that principle. And I know you're, you're pissed about it, but if, I think this may be a bigger issue in the hearts of a lot of people who, you know, would yeah. maybe go to the NDP just for, for sake of no other options. Yeah. Like, I kind of agree with Nora at this point. This, for me, is almost, you know, breaking the camel's back because at this point, who do we invest our our time in, our efforts in? Who is going to a young progressive in yeah. B.C.? come out and and do the work that actually gets politicians elected after shit like this. Like, I, mean, I it's just, a tough, yeah, I think this is a big I, issue. Yeah, I don't know, right? Like, if I was in BC right now, you'd have, I'd have big questions to ask, certainly. Because yeah. it's like, you know, it's not like, okay, she ran and the party kind of like gave it a good fair fight against her and the party was united against her. I'm not defending that, but it would be like one thing for like the That's party the process. Yeah. to unite yeah. against her and be like, we want this guy, we feel... He represents our best chance to win in the next general election. Um, you know, uh, we've looked at polling and she would have a difficult time winning. So nothing personal, but we feel this is best for the party in the in the, 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 the medium term. And that, that would be one thing. And like, that's kind of like, you know, e- even the Democrats didn't disqualify Bernie. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like they they they, they screwed, used the system and yeah, cheated they, in every yeah, way. Yeah, but they in the didn't first election, him. they definitely like screwed him big time. And in the second yeah. one, they all united against him with the express purpose of screwing him. But in a sense, it was like, look, it was still possible, uh, and he almost did yeah. it the second time. Uh, you know, it was looking good to, to to win, and like they didn't even give her the chance, right? And I think like, look, I can't say anything to anybody right now. If you're like, look, man, I'm in BC. And I, 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 you know, I, I either agree with a lot of what the NDP says, or at the very least, are the party that 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 best represents my values. Mm-hmm. But I just can't be involved. And it's like, what am I going to say to someone like that? Because like, if if you don't feel if the party has said that people like you, you know, based on your support for Anjali or just the fact that you identify with her, maybe it's you're young, maybe you're quote unquote an outsider or what have you. Like, and with the racist tinge too, like yeah, maybe you're just def- of a different race yeah. than these people. I mean, look, I like look. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it definitely. F- I noticed now, it. Right? I noticed yeah. it. You and it was even like, look, we saw rhetoric around it with Jugmeat. There was a real mm-hmm. sense like that, like that some people were grumbling uh, from some some supporters from the other other candidates were grumbling. Some of them that like 
this is a takeover of the party. He's just going to get people in like Brampton and Southern BC mm -hmm. to sign up. And we all know what they were saying, that he's basically yeah. going to just go to every Sikh community center and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and you know, and, and get them to make him leader. And, you know, that was, I think, you know, he's not one of us, even though, again, he at that point was already deputy, deputy leader of the Ontario NDP. And you know had been in the the office by that point for 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 many years and had actually before, very successful Toronto lawyer exactly like he was and up, before upper crust, yeah like. and before that was ran for the federal party in 2011 before he ran in 2011 mm -hmm. so he ran for the federal in that in that spring and then decided to run again for the same seat basically uh, provincially so he actually ran federally in 2011 before he got elected provincially in 2011 so mm -hmm. you know um, all of that but. I don't know. I can't say anything. Uh, look, man, yeah. uh, people, if, if parties are telling you you're not welcome, they I don't think they parties can get mad at you for not being involved. How much of this do you think, be considering what the NDP is here in Canada, how much of this can you put on the shoulders of Jugmeet, considering his position in the party? I mean, I think... Look, I would have liked him to say something. I think something, right? Yeah, I mean, look, it's not ultimately his fault. It's not. It's this is not yeah. Jugmeet's fault. He's what not could even he have in, done. I guess. Yeah, really? it's not even in the top ten, fifteen. Like not even the top thirty or forty people. I would. I got. I blame even the most random of backbencher in the BCMLA caucus mm. for not for not speaking out uh, before this, before him. Um, but I do think the one he is a BCMP, so I do think that in the sense like he he he's from that community. Like at least mm -hmm. he lives out there now. He's moved to British Columbia and that's where he lives. So as a, as both the federal party leader and as a MP that represents many of the people that were affected by this, um, I, I think maybe he should have said something. Um, I don't know if what this says about Jugmeet, but I do think it represents uh, a tension in our party where we're unwilling to criticize provincial governments uh, that, that do things that are, that are bad. And I think that, Mm. Uh, you know, it's one of the weaknesses of our party is that because we're a federated party that that is expected more. The liberals can get away with it. Not always. They still get called out for it. But like, you know, the, Fed, the Justin Trudeau isn't as expected to call out issues of the Ontario liberals because those parties, although they clearly work together and there's clearly a connection, they are not the same. Like they're not, yeah. they're, they're totally separate institutions. The Ontario, Lib you can be a member of the Ontario Liberal Party and not the federal liberals or vice versa. Such is not possible with the NDP. Right. Yeah. Such is not possible. The real, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, the, so it gives more responsibility to a federal NDP leader to, I think, at least it should, to be more critical of 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 issues like this at the provincial uh, provincial level. Even tactically, like I don't claim to under and I think people that will claim to understand, you know, the the tactical politics of all of this stuff are sometimes foolish. But if I am speculating, it just seems like it would be a right move. Also, considering he lives out there yeah. and the I don't know about the tactics. Faced, I mean, like, like I'm not sure. Right. I really can't answer ugh. that. Because I could see it going the other way. It's like Ebby's already effectively won. They've made their decision. And so, if, like, tactically, you, you don't want to split the party more. It's like you you just basically you show, like, you sit with the guy who who's already in the position. of. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's just a very depressing. Uh, yeah, well, the darker cloud, let me bring in a little more, you know, rain clouds into this, is that if Angela was successful, her policies and the, and the things that she was striving for environmentally. Yeah are like essential so that yeah. BC and that area isn't just destroyed by, uh, you know, the, the ongoing climate crisis. Like that's also the thing that's even more depressing. You're coming into this and you have a lot of really good ideas that will save the lives yeah. of the people that you live around and, and in your province. And you can't even get a chance to win and make those changes because of the bureaucratic rules that stop you. Like if it was even, even if she sucked and this was someone who believed in stuff that was just, just bad, I would still feel uncomfortable about the fact that this kind of maneuvering was used. But the fact that she really had some, just even looking at her, you know, climate uh, emergency priorities are really, really good and would make big changes. It seems like yeah. in the immediate 
future and then also for you know the rest of Canada and she doesn't even get a chance she stopped before she I think I saw in one tweet was from Abby Lewis that they even voted on whether or not she could get a rebuttal yeah yeah that was the, that was uh, fucking insulting yeah they wouldn't even let she her couldn't get, even yeah. explain like it's well, oh no, I think man. it's because they realized that like her views are are popular with a lot of it like look this is one thing and, and this might affect this probably affects the western parties more and it affects the ones that govern more more is that they're just there there's there's deep connections to uh to resource extraction whether it's yeah. logging whether it's natural gas whether it's oil whether it's all of <laughs> it's that what we talked about municipally right yeah crystal like, like there's just they've built a governing uh. coalition and to some degree that coalition includes those forces and they maybe feel that it's like we we whether it's because they just they 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 believe in it or they feel like they can't win unless those forces are kept you know very very happy um i don't know right now it really it really, yeah. it really seems like they are uh it really seems like they are um you know unwilling to even entertain someone like anjali and i think that's probably because you know, she challenges that status quo in the party on environmental, probably not just environmental issues, but on, yeah. on multiple issues. To save all of our lives, yes. folks, like, let's not forget that. <laughs> like this, I, obviously, it's not a one to one and I'm being a little hyperbolic. But if we don't get leaders in that, at the very least, believe what Anjala believes in Anjali, excuse me, believes uh, in terms of what we need to do to fight this climate emergency then our lives again will be made a lot worse very, very quickly. So I just like they have these ties. It's not working out. She got disqualified, couldn't even defend herself. You know, I, I just I wonder, Christo, let's I don't know if there's too much more to, to gnaw on here. But if there was, how am I going to put this? It, it, has this sh shaken you enough that you may actually consider, you know, trying to put your efforts and work into a different thing. The Nora Loretto response to this, that just basically the NDP is not the institution that will bring us the, the change that we need. And they keep telling us this, yeah. at least her argument, and I do think it's pretty persuasive. They keep showing us this, yet we keep supporting and we keep hoping it'll get better. So, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm. I think I'm, I don't know. I don't want to say done, but yeah. at the very least, I'm not going to forget this. And I got some questions for Jagmeet. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I'm very frustrated. And this, this is, this yeah. is like, yeah, I, I don't know what my answer is yet. I mean, right now mm. I'm still a supporter of the party. And right now it's because on a lot of critical issues, they are still the only ones speaking about them. Um, you know, Yeah. but yeah, clearly if we're looking for a party that will make life the least worst for Canadians right now, it's probably still the NDP. But if mm -hmm. we're looking for a party that's going to actually address the needs we have, both human, like in the, in the, you know, like, like, you know, healthcare and all of that and inequality and, and also the, the big one in many ways, which is climate, then no, they're, they're not that party, at least not, at least not in, at the provincial levels where they have the most power. You know, like maybe mm -hmm. certain NDP sections, if they got a chance, like in Nova Scotia, if, if Gary Burrell's NDP was ever able to have won one, maybe it would have been different. Maybe not. But the the reality is like the BC NDP and the Alberta NDP have undeniably been better than the alternatives. hundred percent. Like, yeah. like, like, look, at the end of the day, you don't even have to be an NDP member, but it's like, I'd rather have Rachel Notley as premier than Danielle Smith. I, I don't, yeah. I would, yeah. I would, right? Cause Absolutely. Because like, like they're both going to suck on oil. But like mm -hmm. one's going to suck on everything and one's going to suck on a lot of things, but suck on, not suck on some things and, 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 and the things they do suck on suck less. Right. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> you, that analogy was cutting away yeah, from you there. But, <laughs> but you know, but the, but the reality is like, yeah, it, the, yeah, the NDP is not, is not showing itself to be a party willing to tackle the fundamental challenges of, 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 of late stage capitalism. And when someone offers a good faith effort, not an interloper, but an NDP believer to, to, to offer that alternative vision, they don't just try to defeat her. They don't even let her play the game. Right. So yeah, it's yeah. incredibly frustrating. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Oh man. Yeah. I don't, where, where we go from here is yeah. an interesting thought. The thing that still will, I think be stuck in my craw for a while 
is the fact that this seemingly was orchestrated by you know the the protector the protectors of the bureaucracy you know the the people that seem to represent the worst things that people who usually would believe in NDP principles want to do without you know it's i i think for a lot of people you know progressivism as I've, i think i've said on the show before is about believing in some moral truths about this world despite the neoliberal, you know, dressing around it, the bureaucratic rules that maybe don't make it the most economic sense in this one moment or the thousand reasons not to do something right. And the fact that those sort of individuals are, at least what they represent, are the ones that were able to stop this, this I don't even want to call it a movement, but even just one individual that represented a good faith effort, like you said, from maybe having an opportunity to speak is, you know, a step too far for me so hopefully there will be some ramifications like you said it's been only about a week maybe even in less and uh, we haven't seen what will happen there because an election is so far away it's probably likely for many voters this will just be forgotten and and I don't know where (laughs) the people who are upset about this you know maybe they vote green maybe not but I I don't know who where that BC uh, NDP voter who's upset about this would necessarily go, yeah. you know, and that's the, I think the bigger issue is the, not that like, not like one, they might go green, but also two, they might just, they might just withdraw. Right. You know? And yeah. I think that's probably yeah. the, more likely yeah. than anything. So, that would yep. be what happened. And yep. we, and what did we talk about at the beginning of the show about voter apathy, yep. not feeling like they have a need to vote because the system is so rigged yep. that one strong man who's basically three developers in a trench coat yep. can rule a city for a hundred years, do, his scions right? can do. a lot do. of people who organized for her, right? That's going to have the same effect. Mm-hmm. Yep, hundred percent. Man, I think. Alrighty, yep. so if you're if you're upset about this, please send us a question. Uh, Patreon.com/slash Left Turn Canada, or just anger about it. We get some some nice soliloquized anger on the Discord there, and uh, over on Twitter at uh, Left Turn Canada. Those so got the email Left Turn Canada at gmail.com. We got some good connections there. If you think there's maybe a, a great municipal leader that did win that we didn't highlight, you know, it's always nice to give kudos to those that are trying the fight. Cause I think the one thing that you can gleam from this episode is that it is fucking hard to do this and really want to make a difference. You know, it's getting harder. It seems like uh, on every stage, whether or not you're, you are just fighting for a uh, counselor seat in your medium to small town or trying to fight against the established progressive party and maybe make a change so that we don't all die in 50 years. You know, the system is is out there to to beat you down. So if you're someone that does that or really support someone that does that, then, you know, kudos to you because that is in many ways a, uh, a thankless job. I don't know what Angela is doing now. Maybe we could get her on the show to talk about it because it is fascinating i'd love to know uh her continued uh, perspective on this uh yeah and that's that's all i got from me today anything else from you christo we're good have a good one everybody